Hey DMB fans, this is Dungeon Master Mitch. I'm really excited about this next episode you are about to listen to. However, I do need to make an apology. We had a little bit of trouble with our audio equipment this week, and so the quality of audio is not at 100% what it should be. So, bear with it. Like I said, it's amazing content. I think so at least. Enjoy it, and we'll be back up to regular audio quality next time. Alright, without further ado, enjoy Episode 8 of the Dungeon Master's Block. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. This is the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Chris. And I'm DM Mitch. And we want to welcome you to our eighth full episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. Yes, welcome. We're gonna, we're really excited about this episode, as we are in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're really pumped about this episode. This, today's episode is called Bringing the Magic of Magic into D&D. Ooh. Ooh. So if you, <laughs> if you don't know about this game, this card game called Magic the Gathering, which I'm a, we're assuming that most of you do. Most D&D players have at least heard of it, if not are avid players of made it. Made by Wizards of the Coast. Yep, Same made time. by Wizards of the Coast. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at a couple of the, uh, the races and the lore of, of the game Magic, um, which uh, it's funny because a lot of people who are avid Magic players don't even know a lot about the lore when it's really got a really interesting lore. So we're going to yeah, look true. into that uh, and we're going to talk about Taking taking the lore of magic and being able to bring it into the game of D&D, getting inspiration on this. This is something that we want to do more episodes on in the future since there's so much, so much there. There's a ton. So we're, we're excited like, about... Like 21 years worth of yeah. lore at this point in time. <laughs> well, and the more that we do, the more they're going to keep making because yeah, like they're, they're doing really well. So yeah. they're going to yep. keep going as long as they can. So I think it's so, 21. It came out in 1993, right? Something like something that. Like that. I don't I think but yeah, so we're going to be doing that today in the meet. Um, looking forward to that. But first, we've got shout-outs. Chris... You want to do your shout-out first? No. It's a, I uh, don't. Let's do it. I Here don't. we go. Uh, this one's by D&D Enthusiast. A little bit more enthusiasm in your voice, Chris. He or she writes, You guys are great. I can tell from your voices that DM Chris is astoundingly good-looking. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but seriously, this is a great show. Everyone can learn something from it. Even players can learn how to play into their DM's hands a little. You have a uh, <laughs> you have a secret admirer. I don't think we have my face anywhere out there, do we? <laughs> no, I purposely on the uh, photos I post of us recording, make sure never to show our faces. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> but you can tell by your voice, or she said she can tell by your voice. <laughs> I don't maybe, know why. I assume maybe it I was a have, he there. Maybe I just Ooh. have a sexy radio voice. <laughs> maybe I guess so. No. Well, where's where's all the comments saying that I I have a sexy radio voice? Oh, Tell man. you what, I'll write one. Somebody <laughs> somebody out there write a five star review saying Mitch is Mitch yes, is please. Pretty. I would love to hear it. And then uh, we have another shout out from uh, it's entitled "Great Source of Ideas and Info for DMs," and this one's by Cowboy Centaur. And I just want to before I read what it says, I just want to give out a special shout out to Cowboy Centaur because he has been a huge uh, 
supporter of us on Twitter. Been interacting uh, a lot with them. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we love you, Cowboy Centaur. We love all of you guys, even you, D&D enthusiasts, even though you're a little bit creepy. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Cowboy Centaur says, very good inform- informative podcast. I've gotten a few ideas of my own based on the host talking about their own games. I uh, really hope it sticks around and doesn't fizzle out as DM podcasts are prone to do. We're not planning on it, yeah. Cowboy Centaur. Uh, also a bit of discussion about other additions besides 3.5. Oh, yeah, 3.5 and 5e would be nice. Besides 3.5 and 5e. Uh, and maybe a tiny bit of love towards 4e. I did actually bookmark <laughs> the 4e books on Amazon, and I plan on ordering them this week. Because oh, they're like four bucks a piece, dude. Oh, Chris. They have to pay you to take those. <laughs> they are, they are $4, Sorry, they Cowboy are $4 Centaur. We did do the uh, 4E ruled uh, Gamma World, world yeah. but yeah, I guess you're going to be getting that love from Chris, from DM. But from from good looking DM Chris, not from me. I love you, Cowboy Centaur, but I'm sorry. That's, you know, that's blasphemy. Uh, it may not be the best, but it's the first one I ever played, even though combat is long and miserable. Yeah. Uh, keep up the great work. And you know what? I will say this. 4E, for all the the crap that we give it, it has brought more people to the table for D&D. And sure. for that, we thank you, 4E. We salute and you. And for nothing else. No, we don't go that far. <laughs> um, all right. Enough of this 4E talk. Let's get to story time. Uh, I think so. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. So, for story time this week, we haven't had time. Mitch and I both have been extremely busy, and we've had different people uh, from our group that got married. Well, one person got married, and a bunch of other people have, have been extremely busy. And so we haven't had a chance to do our regular campaigns that we would normally do. Yeah, and so, it's kind of stunk. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're doing yours tonight. Yeah. So so we'll be able I'm to. I'm re- excited to. Yeah, we'll we'll be able to resume regular story time yep. from our campaigns uh, starting next episode, yep. obviously. But for this one, we wanted to share with you some of the most hilarious moments that we have ever encountered as DMs or as or as players. We have plethoras of stories. Yeah, we have a plethora of, of stories, so we might as well go to some of the tons old ones. Of them. So. Yeah. But so first, though, we got an email earlier this week from DMC. Uh, I don't know if he wants his first name said, so I'm just going to go with DMC. Uh, that's how he signed it. So w- we have a we have a special story from him, and this one this one's pretty funny. I told Mitch about it, and you read the email too yep. a little bit. And uh, so so I'll just I'll, I'll paraphrase his story because it's quite long in the email. But basically, there were there were a couple of people in his campaign that were uh, doing a specific task within some barbarian land. Uh, and they snuck up on a house, uh, and it, one was a dwarf, one was a rogue uh, of some sort. Uh, the rogue motioned to be quiet to the whole group, right? Like, shh, have to yep. sneak up on this barbarian <laughs> house. Like, we can't be loud. Uh, and uh, the dwarf was just like, he made he made his listen check to hear, like, if anybody was in the house, heard that they were in the house, like, did really well on the check. And so he's like, well, we have a rogue, but I'm just going to do this myself. He's in, he's in full plate armor, right? And How so he, often does that happen, that, like... You have a rogue in the group that has... It's like somebody picked a rogue to be... Um, the sneaky guy. The sneaky guy, and, like, you get the paladin who wants to, Or, like, the fighter in full plate who wants to try and sneak up. It's like, dude, that's not... You know, the rogue's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
unlock this door, and the paladin runs up and kicks the door yeah, down. <laughs> I kick the door in. Yeah, Come like, on, dude. I feel like the rogue is always like, like I get. I always have seen like the person playing the rogue just being like overshadowed by the other yeah. aggressiveness. Well, because like uh, the... paladins and rogues especially yeah. don't mix. Yeah, I'm gonna sneak up on this guy. No, you're not. We have to. We have to tell him that we're here so we can fight him. Like I'm over here. Like yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. Paladins. So anyways, he he tries to move silently and hide. And he fails both of those checks like terribly. <laughs> of course. And so the so the 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 the, the barbarians inside were were Yanti's like the snake characters or whatever. They yep. they heard him and came running out. Uh, and so they uh, they they cast an entangle spell, and <laughs> the dwarf failed his reflex save to get out of it. And so he like he fails it. So it's not like oh your movement is half. It's like no like you are 100% entangled in these things. And so, uh, DM... Wait, so he got a... Did he get a crit one? Oh, that... yeah, yeah. He oh, got yeah. a crit fumble. Like, yeah. completely just, just botched it. And so he he said he writes that uh, the dwarf falls because uh, he fails his reflex save and he carries... He has two-handed axes and they, they fall in about an X shape on his on his chest and on his neck. And so any <laughs> movement that he had drew, like, thin lines of blood on his Oof. neck is what he writes. Uh, and so on the dwarf's turn, he performed a strength check to, like, get out of it and rolled a one, which means that it was a crit fumble or a crit miss, whatever you want to call it. And so he writes, uh, in this instance, his arms and weapons were bound, like you said, with the blades at his neck. DMC says, uh, I say, the blades press harder against your neck as you struggle against the spell's damage. Roll, Makes sense. <laughs> roll to hit yourself. Oh, gosh. So he rolls. Guess what he rolls? Uh, a crit Success, whatever you want to call it. He, he crit, <laughs> crit himself hit, with a 20. He, he crit, a hit, 20. On he crit the, to hit, hit himself. on himself. That's uh, awesome. So says, crit miss, crit miss, yep. crit hit. Yep, and then so he says, um, again. And then he rolls another 20. And so, <laughs> and then he rolls another 20, like three 20s right in a row. And says, and then, and then it says, no one is laughing now. They're like, oh crap. Like, oh, but we're doing hilarious stories. Ah, yeah. uh, but this is yeah. funny. He's like, he did. It's so, and then he writes, fumble, 20, 20, 20. Like, just that, that's what he writes. He says, I had no choice but to rule oh that, gosh. but to rule that he sliced open his own throat and then they just had to watch him bleed out the whole time. That's uh, awful. So, yeah, he says that was like 10 years ago. And they still talk about it to this day when they talk, when they, awesome. when they talk about hilarious stories. So DMC for that email, that was quite hilarious. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a surprise. Uh, during the middle of recording, we uh, were able to, we didn't think we were going to have uh, this guest with us today, but we have uh, one of our regular players with us today. Mark is here. Hi, Mark. Um, Hi. He's, uh, he's one of our regular players. He's been playing with us for a long time. And so, Mark, we, we are doing... Our favorite humorous stories from past D and D exploits. So, do you have a funny story to share with us? Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> I remember back to one of one of the early days of D and D. We played a session where a bandit camp kidnapped like a bunch of families from a local town, mm-hmm. um, and hilarity ensued shortly thereafter <laughs> as we went to go save these people that were just civilians. Uh, we had Joe Field, oh, and, yep. <laughs> and then I was playing Raxus at the time, and my multi- multiple personality disorder. Yep. Um, I remember that guy. Yeah, <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> then there was another ranger guy and one other player who, um, he had a spear that shot like a lightning bolt. Yep. It was, it was a terrible weapon, it was like 1d3 or whatever. Yep. So, but right but it before, was cool. Yeah, he was with his dad, and it was actually, his family was part of the kidnap group. All these savages, yeah. like this wasteland, like of cold. We've talked about I, this place before in my world, Azankazali. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. 
Snow tundra. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, so right before going into the camp, he was going to like negotiate with the savages. Yeah, him and his, his dad, family. yep. And he goes, when you see the signal, attack. <laughs> 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 and so me and the other guy who's a ranger were yep. there. And then Joe Field, who has wings and can fly, like flew up way high. Did you know what the signal was? No, there was no. Oh. <laughs> there was no. He did not even see. Yeah, he said, "When you the see signal. the signal, you'll know what the signal yeah. is." Yeah. Um, and so, me and the other guy were sitting there with our bow and arrow, just like ready to like take just out waiting for and the we were, signal. We were like level ten ranged masters at this point. We were pretty good at the rapid shot down five guys. Yeah. Um, and then he gets into the thing and he's talking to like the chieftain, and he um, goes, "I'm gonna roll." And try to intimidate the guy. This player would always make some pretty silly mistakes. Yes. <laughs> um, and he saw he goes, I'm going to roll for intimidate. Was this the same guy that got shot with the arrow in the nuts? Is this the same guy? Uh, not the same character, but the same player. That's another funny story. Okay. But anyway. Um, and, he, and then he goes, I'm going to intimidate him. And then he goes, I, he says his thing, like, give me yeah. back my family. And then I shoot lightning into the air. Trying to intimidate him. Trying to intimidate him. <laughs> Zero intent to do yeah, the, the signal. signal. <laughs> yeah. And then, so me and the other guy are like, even though as players we're sitting at the table going, we know that's not the signal. Yep. Our characters are totally like, You're like that's player, the yep, player now. That must now. be what it is. Yeah, and we're, we're all like, like I'm, I'm DMing and I see you guys just go, we're going to attack. And I'm like, what? You're gonna, like, why are you guys gonna attack? Like, guys, you're gonna jump the gun. He's like, and you guys are like, he just let off the signal. I was like, oh my gosh, you totally <laughs> just let off the signal. Go for it, guys. Like, you're totally right. Um, and then, Jofiel, um, he, he was a pacifist character. I don't know if you guys were talking yep. about Jofiel at all. Not um, much. Not much. To yeah. solve, to try and solve the crisis, he does summon food. Yeah. And it rains ham down on top of well, yeah. It's like this really serious so moment. So you guys keep... start shooting. Yeah. Like, start shooting, start attacking. And so, like, this this other character did not mean this as a signal. Now, just to paint the picture, this is what's going on. He's talking to the Chieftain. Chieftain is sitting on top of a massive woolly mammoth. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is what they're looking at. And then to the side, while the negotiations are going down, another savage, all the prisoners are tied to posts they're soaked in oil and like oh. they're savages all around with torches ready for the chieftain to say uh nope light they're yep light them up like if they make a wrong move and so you guys start attacking because of this signal and he says light them up oh, <laughs> and then yeah joe field who you're talking about tries to come down tries to like distract him and starts trying to put out these poor people who because of this one player are now burning alive yeah. oh my god and yeah part of his solution was summoning ham yep. <laughs> them slice meat yeah create food ham. so with that it was this moment of like somberness with the chieftain being like I'm killing your family <laughs> and this, this super serious moment of like he, his character is like my family is dying <laughs> and then half a second into this moment Deli meat just comes showering <laughs> down on top of this group of people. Oh, gosh. Um, and it was just this hilarious moment. And then throughout that fight, we had a couple of moments where it was like, this thing's happening, that thing's happening. My guy's animal companion got killed because of the mastodon. And, oh, yeah. Um, 
Was it was it like the Lord of the Rings scene where like the horse is running and it just <laughs> heads gets stepped on? More or less. It was a, it was a dire badger, and as soon as it takes damage, it goes into a rage. Oh, um, which yeah. is kind of a pattern with my character. Yeah, um, you like your rage. The rage killing thing. Mm-hmm. It works about I don't know thirteen percent of the time. <laughs> uh, but badgers. But when are it awesome. works, <laughs> I highly suggest badger animal companion. <laughs> um, but yeah, so throughout this whole fight, we had these moments of like super seriousness and at the end I think the character who shot the lightning bolt took the biggest damage because his whole family ended up dying. Yeah. His, he Not was physical just, damage, just emotional <laughs> scarring. And, and he was able to resurrect in the end for a, quite a fee his his son, but uh his father was like dead beyond repair. Yeah. Like <laughs> Didn't he die though? Oh yeah, no, he died too. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. he had to pay all the money. I think he died first. The, the the woolly man just like crushed him and yeah. then you guys had to pay to bring him back to life. So yeah. take that back. He did take the most physical damage. Yeah. As well as emotional. Yeah. yeah. It's like why did you just bring me back? Like yeah. that dude's way better. <laughs> all he had was his wife or something yeah. lived in some <laughs> hut in the middle of yeah. from oh, the Oh, And this is this is probably the like the chief, like, crowning moment of the campaign. He gets back. They get, you guys get back. More than half of those villagers are dead. His family's dead. He gets resurrected. He goes home that night, and he tells me, I want to make love to my wife. I'm like, your wife <laughs> does not want to make love to you right now. Your son is, like, dead. You need to res- resurrect him. Like, That's what's going to make him feel idiot. better at this moment. Not, like, <laughs> like, not, like, holding his wife and, like, crying together. No. Because I just want to make love to my wife. Hey, oh, baby, no like, it's but, so sad. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a good story. So, uh, Chris, what is your favorite hilarious story? Um, my favorite one is me as like a player. That was that was probably my favorite one. Of uh, I, I had a dwarf character named Balfrin, and we were in your campaign, Mitch, yep. in what was called the Moorlands. We were at like this port city, yep. and we had this huge battle that was coming. Like I forget who what type of creature was attacking, but they had like hundreds of ships, yep. like coming to like land at the city and, and attack. And I think this was getting close to the end of your campaign, wasn't it? It was, it was pretty, yeah, it was yeah. pretty close. But anyway, so we get up to, like, the tippy top of, like, this highest tower, and that, we had, like, this huge turret thing that we could control, right? If I'm, if I'm remembering like this cannon. part right. It was, it was like a, yeah, it was, like, a big dwarven cannon. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I knew how to use it, and I think I was given the glove, was putting my hand in with that, or... Yeah. No, yeah. I think it was... It, yeah. was yeah. it was the Gauntlet of Infinity, but not the Gauntlet of Infinity. <laughs> yeah, it was right, this right. orb that you guys found, like, at the beginning of the campaign, where if you pressed it with, like... It turned into a gauntlet on your hand, right? And like it shot like a an energy beam, like more like like kind of like a like glove of uh, Iron Man kind of yeah. thing, but made by dwarves. And it was kind of cool at the beginning, but it wasn't that powerful. But this cannon focused the beam, and if you guys didn't hit that one ship coming in, yeah, like... it, we would have been screwed. <laughs> so we hit it, and then I looked out, had like this telescope thing with me. Yep. And I looked down, and I see like our main like the biggest wizard in the whole world Guild like Master, yep. yeah bastion like everybody knows bastion mm-hmm. but nobody really knows bastion knows like how powerful yeah. he is how old he is and so yeah. balfrin like looks down and he sees like he sees uh, <laughs> he's the only person that only person that has ever seen yep. nobody else has a telescope and so he sees like bastion raising up these huge rocks like out of the water and lets him go and crushes like three quarters like, yeah. of the naval <laughs> ships that were out there and he turns around and is like Oh my gosh, like looking <laughs> looking at his friends. And then I forget what happened after that, but like this huge fireball was cast. Yep. Or something like that. And and I had to like make all I had to do was make the DC you guys, to half the damage. Yeah. And then and then well you guys were fighting the big wizard 
boss at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys brought him down, but he had like a last stand effect. Right. And so you guys bring him down to his knees, he opens up his cloak, and he's got all these like... They're like these diamond, like crystals that are like mines that like oh, people are throwing right. yeah, at yeah. you, and he's just got them littered he's inside. Them. And like all you got, I'm like, oh, and so you guys are like, and I was like, within range. Roll a reflex save, and you guys all roll. Everybody made it except for <laughs> Balfrin, and I was the guy that saw how powerful Bastion was, and I died, and so nobody could know how you awesome Bastion was. It was like it was like that was almost like Bastion knew that I saw how powerful he was, and he was like, nope. You can't know how powerful I am. Was that like the third time that character died? That yeah, oh, yeah. We, we have no, that, I think that was the first time, and then we went on to we die have like three more times. We have times like different dying like rules. We'll talk about that in another podcast. So it's more a like you. If you're dead, you're dead. But we let you continue playing in the one night. So, but yeah, he he died quite a few times. That that was the last. Time oh, that was the last. Time. Just okay, got yeah. to oh, that's right, because it was like the end of the night, and you were just yeah. like, yeah, what better way to go out? <laughs> this than... is the best way to have it happen. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of that story is you have in your character sheet folder a picture of each character. Oh yeah, I took and the so black he, marker. Yeah, he he gets disintegrated. So you you just look all defeated and like. You open up your thing and you just take a black marker and start filling in. <laughs> I had a white face. I had a white expo marker and I just slowly started <laughs> scribbling over his whole and body. And we're just like watching just, you and laughing. He's charred to a crisp. <laughs> oh, awesome. that's a great Whoa, story. man. What about you, Mitch? Uh, my favorite story has to do with uh, another old campaign, same campaign that uh, Mark was talking about. Uh, Mark, you were you were you played in this one, but you guys had gone and found this goblin town, and you guys tried to sneak in, and then like it didn't work out so well. So you guys were just at war in Goblin Town, burning down like the goblin huts, like killing goblins. Um, well, there's we'll be talking about this today in our our magic um, section of the meet, um, but we I have locks I have loxodons in my campaign, and the loxodons I like. Everybody seems to love the Loxodons in my campaign. They're pretty sweet. But there was this one Loxodon, the first Loxodon you guys ever met, Baruch the Gift Giver. And we talked about Jophiel, and Jophiel was all into art. So he had given uh, Jophiel his first oil painting, an oil painting of Pelor. And so this was <laughs> super precious to Jophiel. And so uh, Loxodons like, will go to like even evil races and try and like be clerics for them, to try and like minister to them. And so Baruch had gone to the goblins. Once you guys came into Goblin Town, they're like, uh, Baruch was trying to like be like, don't, like don't fight with them, like don't kill them, like we can work this out. And they just turned on Baruch and murdered him. So <laughs> so Jophiel, while they're going through Goblin Town fighting like goblins, Jophiel comes upon this tent and he finds Baruch just dead with like a million stabs I, in him. I don't think it was when we were fighting. I think it was when we were running away and the whole town was burning down. Oh, maybe, maybe it was then. It, yeah, the, you it was didn't like light the urges. you didn't you hadn't lit the tent on fire yet. But either yeah. way, like you guys found he found uh, Baruch and there was tons of stab wounds in him from uh, goblins just like attacking him. And so he had you guys like help him bring Baruch out. You guys uh, found. In his like one of his coat pockets, this little vial, this clear liquid, and uh, Jophiel took it um, in like remembrance of Baruch. But then Jophiel decided, well, we're gonna we're gonna give this guy a proper funeral. We're gonna send him off right. And so you guys had like built a funeral pyre, lit him up, lit him up. Jophiel, I think, said like a quick like prayer, a couple words about Baruch, his favorite Loxodon, the first one you guys met. Now, when you guys got back to town, <laughs> you guys brought that little vial to, like, a potions master or something. 
and he had to like really search and figure out what it was. And what he found out that it was is he found that it was a it was something in my campaign that I call a tear of a god. And basically, if you drop this tear into somebody's mouth, they're resurrected. Oh no! <laughs> and so you see this the player Jared's face just drop like. But I burnt him. <laughs> like, I could have. It was the funniest moment ever. Just of like, what? <laughs> and not only did they have the means to do it, but it was on his person. <laughs> so it was, uh, oh. just his reaction was just priceless oh, <laughs> for that gosh. for that moment. He still, to this day, will look at me if I bring that up and be a little bit mad at me. So I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, you were the one who decided to have a funeral pyre for him, but... Oh, oh boy. Awesome. Great story time. Let's get to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? What about them? Head fresh. They are not for eating. So for the meet today, um, we are talking about bringing the magic of magic into the D&D campaign. Mark, we've invited you here today because we know you love magic. We all we all like magic. We all play magic. But uh, you in particular probably have the closest heart to it, maybe. <laughs> more or less. I think I'm more the closest to at least the lore behind yeah. magic. I think there are others who are more into playing yeah. of magic. Yeah, I, I enjoy the lore too, but I would agree I would agree that I think we said this a, a little bit at the beginning, but there's a lot of people who play the game that have no idea what the lore is because you don't need to. Yeah. But it is it is really cool, it's really interesting. So we're gonna talk about the day. So the first thing that we're gonna talk about, I think, is the most appropriate thing to talk about first is planeswalkers. Yeah. Um so They're pretty cool. Yeah. I mean in <laughs> in the lore behind magic, if you're playing a magic card deck, you yourself are a planeswalker, right. yeah. yeah. You are considered to, you know, you're fighting a planeswalker battle with another planeswalker, casting up creatures, trying to defeat the other planeswalker. Then they decided, like, does anybody know how long ago that is, like, the first planeswalkers were brought in? I don't know. Um, I'm not the, sure. The actual cards? Yeah. I mean, it's been Maybe a while like now. Yeah. It's been a while now, but there was a while that they had started making them, and the actual Planeswalker card wasn't released for a while. Um, the idea of Planeswalkers was around, because you were a Planeswalker. But then they released these Planeswalker cards, which, to me, are my favorite types of cards. I, <laughs> I like to consider my fold, my Planeswalker folder as a Planeswalker bank. <laughs> yeah, Everybody knows that yeah. I will always trade for a Planeswalker. <laughs> you, yeah, sometimes you can get a little too into it. We can, we can rip you off. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> planeswalkers always stay expensive, whereas some of the other cards don't. That's um, not true. But anyway, uh, so these Planeswalkers, with the lore, let's talk about like what the lore is behind these planeswalkers for a little bit. Now, planeswalkers, they're among the most powerful 
beings in the Magic multiverse. If you don't know anything about Magic the Card Game, each, like, set takes place in a different plane of existence. Let's name some, uh, we got, like, the Ravnica. Ravnica. Yeah, Ravnica. What's the new one? Tarkir. Tarkir. Mirrodin's one, isn't it? Mirrodin, my favorite. Yeah, which, uh, I don't think Mirrodin is actually a place anymore, right? It got Mirrodin destroyed, I think, in the lore. Phyrexia? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it did get changed. Um, there's uh, there's Theros. Yep. Yeah, there's like a lot of planes. And so these planeswalkers are the most powerful beings in this multiverse of all these planes. And so the one of the cool things I think about planeswalkers is that any sentient race can have planeswalkers in it. They're super rare. They're born with something called a planeswalker spark. But like from birth, like there's no indication that they are planeswalkers yeah there has to be like some kind of traumatic event in their life such as like a a death of somebody they they know or even themselves like it has to be some huge period of stress now talking about like like mark do you know of any like stories of planeswalkers individually how they got their spark a johnny yeah i know the johnny one he was from the shards of alara set and so he was he his brother got killed yeah he like flew into this rage and teleported or went planeswalked one plane over to Johnny because it was like that's And that's where he set. met the um the dragon guy. Yeah. I don't remember how to say uh, his name. Sarkin Vol. Yeah, he met Sarkin Vol there, um, yeah. Who explained been, to him kind of what being a planeswalker yeah, meant. But at that point he didn't know how to planeswalk very well. Mm-hmm. So then it took there was this big story arc of him trying to find his way back to Naya, his home plane. Yeah. Um <laughs> So it's like it's not like you you get the spark to light and you know exactly. It's yeah. like it's like something you have to work on and right. get better at. Yeah, you're not automatically just yeah. like this amazing planeswalker. Yeah, and like his yeah. first planeswalking experience was in the shards of Alara, which is five mini planes mm-hmm. that were very closely connected. And at the end, Ajani and I think Sarkinvald died in the story, but there's a couple other planeswalkers. They merged the five and then turned it back into Alara because it was like a shattered plane. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, like, e- each Planeswalker has, like, their own story, and I don't think all the Planeswalkers' stories on how they became Planeswalkers are out there, but yeah. each Planeswalker has, like, the story that they, their spark ignite, ignited, and now they're able to, like, walk to different planes and such. So, and that's that's one of the cool things, is, like, because they're able to walk to different planes when they release different sets, like, you get, you're like, who's gonna come in? Like, you get returns of different Planeswalkers because they're planeswalking to different planes and fighting for different planes right. of existence and right. like helping them they're they're also i think one of the the ideas behind a planeswalker is that they with the players being planeswalkers is that you are casting up you're summoning creatures and spells that are coming from different planes of existence so you're like right. tapping into that the multiverse idea and like able to pull creatures not from just your own plane but different other other planes and it's pretty cool so the original planeswalkers were a little bit more powerful than the ones that are currently in the game they were they were like more godlike they were omnipotent like almost omnipotent immortal and some of them i i read like which is pretty sweet they created their own planes and some of them were like worshipped yeah. as gods. But Karn actually does create. Yeah, Karn. Karn, who is one of, is probably my favorite because he's a artifact okay. that uh, artifact golem that was like the only artificial like planeswalker. Yeah. But yeah, he creates Mirrodin, right? Yeah, he creates Mirrodin, and yeah. then the Phyrexian taint or whatever corrupts it. Yeah. And then Karn gets corrupted, and then he sacrifices himself to save the plane, 
and then it dies anyway. I don't, yeah, I don't and know so he dies. But like, like the cool thing about Planeswalkers is, even though they die, like as players, if you know about the lore, you're like, that doesn't mean they won't come back. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like right. characters in the Marvel comics. Yeah, <laughs> aren't you <laughs> still waiting dead. for Karn to come back? I'm no, waiting for Karn nice. to come back. That <laughs> that would get me really sad. Well, Tezzeret <clears throat> got killed, and then yeah. Nico Bolas took like like took his body. And like resurrected him in a sort, and then he was Tezzeret, agent of Bolas. Yeah. Well, did, he so, just, did he just come back as a planeswalker not too long ago? Uh, no, there Maybe was a not. dual set. That Sark- oh, okay. Yeah. Sarkin okay. Ball's the most recent who just yep. came back. Okay, um, but Tezzeret, the thing was, he was a mono blue guy, and then Nicol Bolas yep. resurrected him, and then he became blue black. black yeah, because Nicol Bolas pumped him so right. full of black magic. Yeah, to bring him back. To <laughs> and life. I love that picture. He's got like the glowing like ominous pink glowing eyes like yeah. it looks really yeah. sweet but yeah so like now now currently they're not godlike they're not near omnipotent <laughs> uh they're not they can be like harmed they they age normally they can die and they like like normal mortals they like need to yeah. eat they need to drink right. like they're pretty much mortals they're still super powerful <laughs> like I think it says that they... Anytime you can go from one plane to another, you're still pretty yeah, stinking yeah. powerful. And that would that would also be something I would think that most of them would want to keep a secret. <laughs> like, yeah. it seems Especially like... Especially if they're mortal. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they're always got their beef with another planeswalker. Because yeah. they yeah. know, and so they're chasing each other around and attacking yeah. each other and such. Yeah, the relationships between the planeswalkers is always interesting. So, let's talk about, like, how... What could be used... Planeswalker, planeswalkers being brought into the D&D campaign. Uh, one of the things that I thought of that I think would be really sweet is what if, like, you made every single one of the PCs a planeswalker? And so they had that spark to be able to travel to different yeah. planes of existence. And so, like, you guys are in a campaign, you're all planeswalkers that have banded together to go to different planes for whatever reason. Yeah, it could guys, be because you have a beef with another planeswalker. Maybe you're chasing like another plane. Yeah, maybe there's a bad planeswalker. Maybe antagonist can be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have that down too. The, like, the main villain can be a planeswalker. Like, maybe you guys are planeswalkers having to chase down an even more powerful planeswalker yeah. who's going from place to place and you have to, like, follow, like, their trail yeah. <laughs> of destruction. Well, one I think of is Tibble. Yeah. Or, like, could be the main, like... Bad planeswalker that you <laughs> Even chasing. though he's like the weakest planeswalker. Yeah, but he's, <laughs> yeah. Just, he's just like chaotic. But though. no, he's, he's sweet. Just like, yeah. I mean, he's just, he just does what he wants. Yeah, like, um, like traditional D&D lore, though, you kind of are all planeswalkers because everybody has the ability to go from, you know, the material plane to the fire plane. Yeah. And water. Like, the only thing magic does is take the idea of planes and expands it to, like, the, the biggest scale. Yeah, the multiverse yeah. idea. Because... Yeah. Because in traditional D and D, you have you know material plane, then you have the celestial plane and the mm-hmm. infernal plane, and all the different. I don't know them all. Yeah, they have. I think they have nine standard. I think three point five at least has nine planes of existence that are like yeah. the standard nine. Yeah. But yeah, that you can. You know, I've heard of many players bringing like, oh, this character died in the campaign, so instead of just being like, oh, he's done forever, like I've heard of like players having to go into the underworld to like yeah. get him back or something like yeah. that which is always a cool idea right um for a for a campaign yeah i don't know if you guys know this but there are some planeswalkers in my campaigns have you guys was bastion one of them bastion bastion definitely could be seen as a planeswalker in a sense because 
he traveled to different planes of existence, but he that's the only reason he that did I said that it. with the use of like magical crystals and such, not not with his own spark. I don't think I ever gave you the hint for this one. Um, Who was it? Do you guys know that Roland was a planeswalker? No, no. When he got killed and pulled through the door, like he planeswalked, but you guys, of course, don't know that. So. Look at that, you guys. Wait, I, you thought, guys, I thought he got a huge podcast, arrow through his chest. He did. <laughs> if How you, did he not die? Okay, if you read any of the Planeswalker lore on magic, they get pretty badly they wounded pretty to, the, to the yeah to the point. Well, he where had a huge harpoon thing through his he chest. Did. Yeah, he did. He, like <laughs> he gets pulled them. through. They're about to kill him, and he planeswalks. Um, the reason that he never comes back to you guys is because. He's working on how to, he was working on how to use it. Like he's not exactly sure how to use it, but um he's, well, now we'll never get to know if he comes back. He's in a uh, he's in another plane of existence right now telling the story about how uh, you guys and your adventures to like Balfour children will never get to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> Balfour. Oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, he's one of the planeswalkers that I have in my world. I have an orc planeswalker in my world that uh, is in Dorgatha, the orc place. You guys never got to meet him, unfortunately, wow. because that campaign ended too soon. I would be surprised soon. if Brom was a... Brom. <laughs> Just, he would go around to different planes and troll people. Well, he, he showed up in multiple campaigns that were in different planes. <laughs> he did. How did he do that? So, theoretically. <laughs> was Brom... I guess he has he to the, Was he the gatekeeper guy? Is that, no. He no was, which one was he? He was, uh, he was a dork canoe. PC that I've used that was like I I played a I don't think I remember Bron I don't know if you ever played with Bron I don't think you ever really met Bron yeah, yeah. He, Bron was a Bron yeah Bron he was a, a sword douche. named Widowmaker yeah Widowmaker Widowmaker <laughs> Widow oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was he was fun you guys you guys like player wise like he came into like the first campaign you guys were like he was like we've seen this guy before in a different campaign we know he's a jerk. <laughs> But I, I guess he'll join us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so... But yeah, so that's that's some ideas of, like, how you could use Planeswalkers. Any other ideas that you guys can think of to use Planeswalkers in other campaigns? Did we say heroes already? Yeah, yeah. using heroes. Okay, that was kind of the heroes. heroes. Okay. I really would be, like, guides. Like a yeah. Bastion-type character. Guides are, like, kings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have them uh, as, like, lords of the cities of a specific we, country or something. We talked about... In our top ten on the inspiration, uh, one of mine was like door mages or gate mages that like specialize only in teleportation. Like, oh, yeah. you could have a planeswalker who is all about money, and like he that's his profession is that he'll for a huge sum of money, like he will teleport you to another plane. Right. I don't right, know if that's that. actually something that actually works. Like in Magic, yeah, I don't know if, like, like you, you would... can like touch like you're like hold somebody on the shoulder and like you're like all right let's jump like you know yeah uh, but like it's your campaign you can make yeah it you can do whatever the heck and, you want with it and the thing is is like their whole magic is summoning creatures exactly so does the, do they just have a spell that's like scan you now <laughs> and the big <laughs> plane they just the lasers come out of their eyes yeah. and, and then they just gonna like summon you over yeah here. right like, it might not be then you have summoning yeah. sickness and you're like all dizzy and stuff for summoning sickness I'm so tired for about five <laughs> seconds but I can still block people if they try to attack me <laughs> that's awesome oh man yeah, what do you guys think about the whole idea of, like, like how would you guys feel if we, like, did, like, a campaign where you guys were planeswalkers who, like, went to different, like, different planes as your campaign? I feel like that campaign would be awesome. Yeah. 
But we better go to level 20 and do some awesome stuff. <laughs> I feel like, Mitch, you you talked earlier in one of the Mark likes leveling up. <laughs> yeah, you said in one of the episodes you were like, I like splitting the party. Can you imagine splitting the party into different, into planes. different planes? It would be a lot of work for the DM because you'd have to come up with not just like, we've talked about world building. Now this is worlds building. Hey, you know what? Yeah. Do it. I'll, I would love that. We <laughs> we t- we'll go to your yeah, your world for all of the for all the, for all the, uh, the group splitting that you've done with me. Yeah, let's do a planeswalker campaign. <laughs> all right, let's cool. do it. <laughs> Works cool with that. Oh man! All right, so planeswalkers. Yeah, that's that's enough about planeswalkers. Uh, let's talk about Murr, shall we? Ooh, Murrs, yeah. Murrs are pretty cool. I think we could all agree. Maybe not Mark. Mark doesn't really care for <laughs> I them. I love Murrs. I think Murrs, because of what we'll talk about in a little bit, are Mur- pretty cool. Mark's just upset because he made a deck a while ago called Merciless, and it was not that good. It was, <laughs> not good. It was, it was a great name, it but was it was like so my bad. second deck ever. So. <laughs> We're talking about the lure here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D&D, yeah. So. Uh, so the word Murr is derived from the Greek word for ant, because they're really little guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're they're pretty teeny tiny. It says, yeah. I was reading some about them and it said that they were kind of mimicked after the gnomes about in size, like they're supposed to be maybe a little bit smaller than yeah. gnomes. Well, um, and there's a ton of them. Yeah, and their mentality is that of like ants too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're kind of like a hive almost. Yeah. Like they just they they all like we said they're they're just mindless worker ants. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty like much what they, they are. Yeah, they each of them has like an individual single role. Like so, you could have one that's like a hammer one. Just, yep. Tink, tink, tink. He's like, he's just... two hands. Tink, tink. Oh, yeah, double time. Tink, tink, double time. Tink, tink. Double time. Yeah. Hammer optimized. time, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Stop. Stop. All right, stop. <laughs> oh, very funny, very funny. All right. Oh, gosh. So, uh, and they're all, like, they have they have one leader whose name was Memnark, uh, mm-hmm. which he went insane because of some sort of mysterious oil. I didn't read too much into that part, but he... He basically had this whole plot behind all the myrrh and stuff like that. And he had this thing called like the dark steel eye that he could see with that eye through the eyes of every single other myrrh. So it's kind of like what was that movie with Shia LaBeouf? The uh, Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye, where it's like that computer can see that everything <laughs> that everybody's doing. It's like Memnark was this huge, uh, this huge golem that created all these things, and he's like the Eagle Eye. He can just see everything out of every Gosh, camera everywhere. Yeah. Y'all seeing it, yeah, yeah. I see, yeah, yeah. So only it's always projected through a mur. I see you. <laughs> They're all like only the speech mur because those are the only ones. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so Memnarch had this like evil plan that he wanted to take over Mirrodin, and it didn't end up working. Uh, but the Murr were not destroyed when he supposedly yeah. died. They still all went back to functioning. They're still as they normally. They're do. still doing whatever tasks yeah. they were told to do. Yeah, yeah, whatever they were created to do. So the hammer ones are still hammering the... Yeah, tink, 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 tink. yeah, yeah the tink, tink, tink. I think one. that, yeah, so I think that Murr, like, are just a sweet, like, we've used them in our campaigns before, but I think they're just an awesome, like, thing if you want to bring them into your campaign world. They're fun little things. Yeah, yeah. they're awesome. Um, they add some comic relief from time to time. In in my campaign, I had the dwarves create them. Yeah, which makes sense, because they, yeah. it seems like they would be kind of or like if you had gnomes like that. Yeah, or gnomes like can do it too. Yeah, like gnomes, dwarves. Like yeah. you, can, you can make humans create them. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it keeps your level six uh, player <laughs> character from getting, you know, a level 15 wondrous item. Golem. Yeah, because that's, that's what happened in my campaign. I want to have a golem in my campaign. That's what the god I worship says it. Like, no. <laughs> I know what golems are. You're yeah. not going to. Yeah. No. And I think we're at, like, at level four, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I'm not starting you off with a golem. But I'll start you off with a myrrh. 
Um, but we <laughs> we kind of like in like my campaign like kind of took the whole idea of like one task like that they have and like just like latched onto that and like each murder that was created was like a skill monkey of one specific skill. Yeah. Yeah. So like the first one he had, he decided because he's a gnome that he wanted to have a shield mur. So this was awesome. It was sweet. So this shield mur would its only job was to run in front of him when enemies tried to attack the spellcaster and like just defend him. Wow. So he had a if he had a so look up the look up if you don't know what a mur looks like, look up a picture of a mur. There are these little guys with like uh, what would you say, like a beak head, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, it almost so, looks like an axe head. Yeah, yeah. so he, they would have, this mur had a shield on its head, and then he had two hands that turned into shields. And so he would just like, almost like ball himself up as a shield um, <laughs> whenever like something would attack him. So we start, he started off with that shield mur. He made a rope mur, um, yeah. which had like a body, like a pulley system, yeah. right? <laughs> like, so he could, like, and so stat wise, awesome. I think like the rope mur had like a, Plus ten, use rope, but that's like all he was good for. Right. And so there was that one job that. that he was given. So like, it's like, oh, like you need to use rope. Like roll with your you. Like if you have nobody in the party who uses rope, rope well, use yeah. rope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like they, we had them like. It's like giving it a Pokemon task. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Rope. <laughs> in uh, in the magic lore, it says that they have like a really smart intelligence, like. I think in our campaign we just had them be like kind of like dumb robots. They were like, dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah, they like they, orders really they well. like they listened. They were loyal and they listened. Like yeah, rope murder. Use rope. Like he would use the rope, but like <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love the sound effects. Uh, but yeah, he uh, they did what they were told, but they were not. They were not these intelligent. I, I have this picture of like the the rope mur like. He opens, like, this compartment in his stomach <laughs> and, like, has, like, this rope that, like, shoots out up onto the top of a cliff. Oh. And then, like, no, here, it gets better. This this image is what going, is going on in my head. And then everybody climbs up the rope. Yeah. And then you just see him go, click, clicks the button, and just, <laughs> zing, just zips right zips up to up. the top yeah, of the A ceiling. grapple, uh, uh, like a grapple, uh, grappling hook, Mur. Yeah. Like, we didn't even, we have a list of things that we could have for yeah. Mur. We'll go through them because this is... Something we think is really cool, but like, yeah, grapple hook mur would be sick. Yeah, yeah. he does the grapple, and maybe he has like little spikes like that, like come out, like then peg them into the ground. Yeah, so yeah. as you guys are carrying up, but then yeah, the spikes come up, and he just zoop right up to the top <laughs> with you. Yeah. Top like, that is a sweet mur. <laughs> One purpose mur, but awesome purpose yeah, mur. Yeah. Like, hey, that um, so cool. what are some other ideas for like specific purpose murs? We well, we talked about the torch mur, yeah. which was like maybe he carries torches or. Yep. Like, Body's just a lantern. Body's a lantern. He's yeah. a lantern with legs. I, I, yeah. we mentioned that, and like Mark, you as a player in our games, with campaigns, are just like, oh my gosh, because like, That's how many so times like do we like get to like a dark cave, and I just like as a DM, I'm like, all right, well, if your character doesn't have dark vision, you have to use it. Now, Mark, I know you usually try to pick a character with I, dark. Vision. I have a pretty strict policy because of this. <laughs> yeah. But your, but I, your character in my campaign now does not have dark vision, so yeah, it is a. It's a you know, you're vision. you're like, oh gosh, come on. But like, uh, yeah, like how many times have we come to a point and like you're like, all right, who's carrying the torch? And nobody wants to give up their free arm. Yeah, with nobody's with like, especially if you're like, if like you my character has like two hand or two weapon yeah. attacks. Like I'm, I'm not giving up one of my weapons. So like, you guys all look at each other, and eventually someone's like, I'll. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Fine. Like, but with a light mur, you wouldn't have to worry. Yeah, about with that. a mur that has a body that's a lantern, that would be just sweet and so useful. I yeah. think the heel mur would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. we like had a, one with like the paddles. I just like warming the paddles up. <laughs> yeah, paddles. Right. And then he just goes like, Clear. he goes 
Clear. <laughs> and then just hits the person to like yeah. automatically stabilize oh, gosh. them. Uh, well, going along with the healing thing, Mark kind of mentioned a potion dispensing murk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you said the idea of like it being like a Pez. Like a Pez. <laughs> you like load it up and it's spring loaded and it just pops out D4 potion. It could be like, I. it's funny because I'm thinking of now even a, like a different magic card. card. You guys probably know this one because I've pointed it out before. You remember the bottle gnomes? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like little gnomes. They're they're kind of like metallic gnomes that are like bottles of potions. But like, yeah, you could have like that be like you could buy potions to fill up the body of this myrrh, and like it could be either like you fill up potions into the body, or maybe its body oh. is it, and it has like a syringe that it comes over and like or, it like hits you and fills you yeah. up with the one. Or you could the have like, you could decide how much comes out of it, and that's how <laughs> yeah. much health. Yeah, you can decide what like level of potion you could have him stand off to the side and when he like sees somebody go down he like shoots like opens up shoots out this other little myrrh that's full of liquid and he like <laughs> runs over real quick and like has a spout that sticks oh out oh my gosh now i'm thinking russian russian nesting dollars <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the purpose would be in that but no but i'm just saying because cool. like he wouldn't uh, have to like Shoot it to a person. The person yeah, missed no. the, the catch check or whatever. Yeah. Or he doesn't have to like put himself in danger. Yeah, that's he true. can just shoot out this little like like almost like the cookie robot thing from <laughs> Despicable Me, where it's just like cookie robots. He shoots I said, it, or yeah. you want to say boogie robots? Boogie. I said cookie yeah, robots. Yeah. So like, You're so like old. the legs open up and he just like <laughs> scurries across it's the just a potion bottle with legs. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tip me over and pour me out. It's a gong droid. Yeah, gong. Yeah, right. Uh, um, we uh, we talked about like an idea of like a jumping mur. Uh, yeah. like, you need to reach places that you can't jump to. Like maybe this murders has springs built into him that yeah. he just like launches himself across the room. Or um, he could just be a little trampoline. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He turns into <laughs> yeah. You could actually have like his head be like bouncy somehow, so that you like stand on his head and jump off of it like a trampoline <laughs> and propel yourself across the room. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the like open lock mer. Yeah, which you could just take all the locksmith tools and dump them into the thing. Basically, things, like, what is it? A master uh, yeah. lock lock picking kit yeah. built into his body. Yeah, and <laughs> he could have like his head as the thing. That, like, <laughs> or he could have like one hand that he could detach and like shove in there. It's like Mr. Potato Head hand. Like he can just switch. <laughs> out for something and you yeah. screw in like like a key or something like that man or, I love these murs they're so yeah. awesome <laughs> I like them a lot uh, the next one you could have is like a, a search mur like you could yeah. have him like he's got like a little flashlight that he's got to turn on on his forehead <laughs> and he just like looks and is like searching or he has like a ton make, of eyes search murs making the lantern murs obsolete <laughs> yeah right or, or you could yeah you could have just like a ton of eyes all the way around his head so he just like sees everything yeah. around yep. so he's like and then he has like an alarm if something's coming like sneaking up behind you <laughs> Wow! <laughs> it's like a. Be be yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Alarmo bots. If anybody plays right. World of Warcraft, those are those are quite funny. Uh, this was one of my favorites that we came up with. Uh, but if you had like a sense motive, oh mirror, yeah, and basically what it would be is like a a, a mer lie detector where he just like has the like lie detector thing built into his body and it just like scribes like he just he like maybe walks uses up his hands to like scribe he, like, walks up and grabs people's wrists and like makes them <laughs> yeah. he like. He, like, rot latches all the way around him so he can't get up. They're, like, shaking him. He's just stuck on their arm. <laughs> They'd be so annoying. Uh, they, like, accompany, like, cops, like, oh, like yeah. towns guards yeah. throughout the world. Yeah. Um, then there's the sleight of hand mer. I think this would probably be the most awful mer. At least the way that we've played mers, because they're not that smart. Yeah, because they're kind of stupid. But, like, one that just is, like, 
at purse level and has like scissor hands. <laughs> maybe they like, like a little pouch. Maybe they're like little transformers that like when people turn around they turn into like a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh gosh. Uh, Why is that barrel following me throughout the city? Oh god. Uh, you could do like the bomber. Like if yeah. you had a door that you couldn't open you could have like it could be like a siege type one that like warriors use. They're like alright go up and blow down this wall or blow down this gate or whatever. Yeah, you well, send like 30 of them up there and then Speaking about MERS with, like, one specific purpose, you have one specific purpose, one time only. Yeah, one time only. It's like, the, they are, like, the epitome of MERS. Yeah. <laughs> These are all, like, great ideas for, like, using, like, MERS, like, as companions, maybe, like, in an adventure type set. If you want to, like, have a dwarf who, like, maybe he uses the craft MER, maybe that you become, make that into a skill that yeah. he does. Uh, but we've thought about, like, what about, like, even MERS, like, in a, like, just not with your party, but, like, just... Maybe in a dwarf city, like how would Murs be being used in a dwarf city? And we've uh, we said like they a lot of them would be just regular like worker bees. So let's let's just name some of the re the things that Murs could be doing. We talked about like in a restaurant there could be like waiter Murs that oh. have like trays in their heads that bring drinks to your table. Like they maybe they have like a little lighter as a hand that they light the candle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. have the torso be a keg and it just like spits <laughs> yeah, beer out of Refill, sir? You could have that. You could have one that's just like a miner. I yeah. Mean, specifically he does mining. Yeah, like yeah. dwarves are lazy. They would totally build a robot that just does what they don't want yeah. to do. Pickaxes uh, out of wall. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's the the scribes. Yep. Like for clerics, you could have like a cleric of Mirrodin. Not Mirrodin, Moradin. I don't know. Mirrodin. Dwarf god. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we're talking like, about magic, so you're thinking of Mirrodin, Mirrodin, but it's Moradin. Yeah. yeah. But it's like the dwarf, the Mir just like looks at the thing and then yeah. copies it. Copying like, the Like has like scripts. an eye and an eye. The nice thing about that is, whereas like the clerics would need, um, they need to take breaks, and like there would be, there would definitely be, you know, human error throughout it, like. You get a mer to be programmed to do that. They just constantly do it. They're just yeah. they they are the dwarven. They could be the dwarven printing press. Just well, like constantly like, just yeah. I feel like books. I feel like it would take them like no time to write stuff yeah. down because like we can only like write so fast or like with you know people, you things yeah. with muscles. Like you might need to like, oil them up every now and then. Yeah. Besides or that, you don't have need to... a fire extinguisher to make sure they don't start the page <laughs> on the fire. Yeah. Right. Lastly, it was like the Fisher. Yeah. You can have him throw out a line into the water and he catches like this huge whale like whoa and just falls overboard. Yeah, just like fishing murders that like their body is like the uh the fishing reel and yeah. they just have, have any You can have like a boat with like, like fifteen fisher murders yep. like on the on the outside. Yeah. The and then we, then we also mentioned like blacksmith helpers, like okay. helping blacksmith. Yeah. Like and here's the thing, like Holding they could be they can be any mundane kind of workers. Like you yeah. just have like a ton of them, make them pretty like easy to make. Like, they're not, like, they could also be easily destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think in our mm -hmm. campaign, we had them be five hit points, and they did not. There was no, like, leveling up. Like, it was, like, each murder yeah, no, specific were, thing. Yeah. If it got smashed, it got smashed. Right. Like, that was what happened. I love the idea of murders in campaigns. Mark, hopefully after talking about it, even though your merciless deck didn't go so well, the <laughs> idea of having these things in campaigns is pretty cool. Well, I, I think, think I... Awesome. I I would totally jump into like the character idea of like mm -hmm. having like a crazy dwarf that just makes Mur like makes tons of tons murder, of yeah. that'd be a great NPC too right? of like a guy who's in a hut who has just like a bajillion. Well, didn't you kind of have somebody that made stuff? Yeah, we had a 
uh, Aldrich the Artificer. He was a dwarf, and he he didn't he, make specifically murders though. He did. made Warforge and all that stuff. Right, he made so he yeah stuff. he made like all this kind of stuff. But myrrh were whenever you'd go into his workshop, there were like we just talked about like myrrh running around and right. like building stuff right. while he was yeah. like looking at the blueprints or whatever. So he he used them to their full extent. Those are kind of those are ideas for myrrh. They're um, super easy to incorporate into a campaign, yeah. too. Let's talk about another one of our favorites. Let's talk about the Loxodons. Loxodons are kind of cool. They're uh, they're elephant humanoids, but then nobody knows where they came from. <laughs> nobody. Yeah, they got uh, unknown origins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're big elephantoid creatures from the Ravnica block mm-hmm. of Magic the Gathering, so if anybody plays, you know exactly what we're talking about. And they... Find refuge with the Selesnia Conclave, which mm-hmm. are, if you're going to make a world potentially for D&D, you could have them hang out with a lot of dryads. Yep. That's a lot of what the Selesnia Conclave is made up of. So if you had if you had Loxodons and dryads in the same exact place, that would probably work out really well. Uh, and they tend to be probably really naturalistic, do you guys say? Yep. Do you agree with that? On, on Mirrodin, the plane of Mirrodin, which we talked about a little bit with the Myrrh, uh, they like to be clerics for the most part. It's pretty naturalistic, peaceful. You know, they they look for serenity they type would, stuff. They would often be like the clerics of the god of light. Yeah, yeah. Or they'd be in magic. They're white and green, which is kind of like you know life and yeah community and yep. civilization. And, and yeah. I I had this written down in our notes uh, to talk about. I didn't know that Mark, you're you've been playing in the new box set of magic the. Of tar- or the cons of Tarkir, yeah. um, and I wrote down like, what about if they had like mammoth cousins that were like woolly mammoth like Loxodons? And apparently, they yeah. they pretty and much do. They do. Tarkir, the Tamir tribe, which is like the savage beasts. They have a, a mammoth Loxodon. Yeah, a woolly Loxodon is what. So the you, card is you like beat me to it, Tarkir. Except you didn't, because I put them in my campaign long before that box that came out. But uh, anyway, but, well, I probably see. see here's the thing, the card, though. Like, they they also, if you listen to the podcast, they have like seven years. Yeah, from now, but I'm not savvy to that information that they have out. So well, <laughs> we are. We know hipster. Um, <laughs> so like I we've we've talked about it a little bit with the story time, but I've had Loxodons in my campaign before. Um, just a little bit on like what I did when I brought Loxodons into my campaign is I, I liked the whole unknown origin thing. So there's they have the mysterious origin. Nobody knows where they came from. Going with that, they don't have a god of their own in my world. Because of that, they they do still love to be clerics and priests. But instead of choosing like oh we'll worship this god, what Loxodons like to do is they like to worship like. A number of gods. So they're super like, if you meet a Loxodon and you worship a specific god and they haven't heard about it, they're going to want to like sit you down and hear everything that they can like learn about your god. And if it's a god that they think is worthy of being worshipped, they're going to go out and spread the word about that sure. god. Now they're mostly they're good aligned. So they're going to like, they love Pelor, they love Heronius, like all these gods. Yeah. Those are gods that they will become clerics of like multiple gods. And they live in this place called Edibor. Uh, that's their main, their, their hometown, if as it were. And it means sanctuary in their language. And it's cool because they, they see all races as having good, like even, yeah, even like we talked about like the goblin town, like he, like yeah. Baruch went to the goblin town to like minister to them and, and like even like even goblins and even like orcs will deal with a loxodon 
going, Pelor is great because they will aid in like healing them right. and like helping them yeah. until, of course, like a bunch of playable characters knock down the door of Goblin Town <laughs> and they become a <laughs> And they a see threat. associated with yeah. them. <laughs> but yeah, so they'll um they accept all races and uh, they try to see the good in all of them. Um, which is why the sanctuary place is cool because if you're like on the run from like bounty hunters or whatever, you come to Sanctuary, like they you're under the Loxodon's protection. Like you they will protect you. They're not gonna let anybody in to like get you. I feel like they're the friend that people like to take advantage of oh yeah in your, they, in your world you could very much take advantage they're of like the guy that they like they like the people that can't say no yeah yeah you could very <laughs> much take advantage of the loxon the hard thing is that if eventually you do something that the loxon goes all right i have to fight like you don't want to be the guy who uh ends up fighting an elephant that's not exactly no, what you that want to be fun the the last like notable part about loxons in my world is that they they had they didn't have last names because of their mysterious origins so they gave were given titles by other Loxodons, so the one we met was Baruch the Gift Giver because because he gave he, gifts because he yeah. gave gifts to people. You know, like that was one of the things that he did. Um, hmm. So uh, those are like those are some ideas like of, of the race of Loxodons and like how you can use them to put them into your world. Uh, let's talk about rocks, Mark. Tell us about Roxes. Well, they're very similar to Loxodons, but they're rhinoceros men. There's even less really known, like even in magic lore about them, because they're really, they're kind of mysterious and there's not a lot of cards of Mm -hmm. the Rocks, but I actually really like them. They're kind of like the soldier monks. If the Loxodon are green-white, the Rocks are kind of white-green. They're kind of the flip side of the same coin, but they're very much the the warrior half. Wasn't there like... Wasn't there a Rox who was a Boros Rox or something? That it was red? Maybe I'm wrong. No, no there was. Time. There was. Well, there might have been a couple. There was one. It was, uh, he, was a, he was a red-white. I forget what his name was. But yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. could... You, yeah. I mean, thinking about, like, a rhino, you think, I think... Charger. Like, and clo- like, like quick temper. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what I, mean, I think when I think of red. <laughs> yeah. And that's totally what red is. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, I think there's probably one or two red-white ones. I think he has, like, double strike. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, yeah. Um, so you you played a rocks. Uh, yeah, we created a rocks class class race. or race, yeah, like yeah. the stats. And so you played a rocks in one of our campaigns. Tell us a little bit about your yeah. rocks. What was, was a, do you remember his name? He was a skirmisher. He was Parthenos Greathorn. Yeah, there you go. And he I built him all around the, the charge mm-hmm. ability. So I think I took like spring attack and it's called skirmisher stuff. <laughs> so his whole thing was like run at a guy, hit him real hard, and then run at the next guy. The whole idea behind him was, like, not so much killing this dude and then moving to the next dude and killing him, was, like, charging in, doing damage to that guy, and then going, I'm gonna run over there now. (laughs) He sounds like class bowling ball. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I think a lot of his feats were, like, only if you move 10 feet will you do, like, all this bonus damage. Yeah, if you moved at least 10 feet, yeah. Yeah, so I had to, like, keep moving and keep moving around. He was really cool. I think it was hard because that whole campaign was a bunch of orphans, so I didn't really get into the rocks community lore yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, yeah, in my world, I, I explained it a little bit when we were playing. But yeah, in that campaign, yeah. you were you grew up in a guild away from your own people. So like, even though some of your guys like had remembered like your people to a point you guys still stayed loyal to the guild and like were kind of put into a world that was different from your own but in my world i'd I'd changed them i didn't want them to be just like the loxodon so i had 
like they live they're native to this place called the elementia islands and they're very like tribal they're very like primitive like kind of people so like whereas like some races will go oh like let's share like our technology and so like like they they do not like technology they they're gonna carry on clubs axes like they don't want to deal in fact they don't really enjoy interacting with other races they want to be left alone and they'll they'll even like fight amongst their their own tribes and stuff but they have tattoos all over their body to symbolize their status in the tribe uh they were led by a like the biggest and strongest one who was the chieftain um and like we said like they were they were ill-tempered you didn't want to mess with them nobody wanted to come into contact with a kind of like, rocks tribe and like rub them the wrong yeah, way kind <laughs> of like real life the maori warriors from uh, like samoan high yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i imagine like them doing something like that and just slam it like before they go into battle and uh yeah and then they win like some kind of battle and they give themselves like more tattoos to determine like Oh look, like you have that got, like, fire dances this. and stuff like that. Yeah, very yeah. yeah, very primal, very tribe like, but definitely not a race that you want to mess with. So that's those are those are rocks, loxodons, mers, and planeswalkers. Uh, like we said, we're gonna we're gonna return to this idea of bringing the magic of magic into D and D. We'll have another episode. Uh, Mark hopefully will join us again since he loves. Uh, magic so much for our next episode on this but we hope that you uh, enjoyed us talking about these different races uh, the planeswalkers and magic the lore behind it and can be inspired to use this in your campaign now chris we we talked about we want to we're gonna throw up on our website uh we're gonna put uh, races for race stats for the races that we've talked about Uh, but we're not just gonna throw them up there what we're going to do is, starting from uh, this point, uh, when we release this episode, for every two five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we'll throw up another uh, race stat. So yep. that's that's pretty simple. And then once uh, we get for every two, we'll have them all up there, and you guys can look at them and use them in your campaigns. Yep. So head on over to iTunes and give us those five-star reviews. Let's go to our light bulb for this episode. light bulb okay so we in our light bulb moment are talking about where we find inexpensive minis i can i can start us off yeah go for it chris uh so i i do a lot of scouring of amazon for cheap minis like i found a ton of them through that but the main place that a lot of those come from are from a website called Mm reaperminis.com um and i have in front of me right now i have some kobolds that i bought and i have the little dragon ones that I bought. And I think for the Kabold ones, I think I paid like $3.50 for six of them. And then like you can get like little goblin ones. Which I think you get like five goblins for like three fifty, and you get like three orcs because they're a little bit, I mean, they, they do them by like size. So if it's a small, it's, it's legitimately smaller. If it's a medium, it's legitimately a medium size. And they like the orcs, you can get like three of them for $3.50. And then dragons... Can be all different price ranges because you can get like little adult ones. Yeah. You can get like ancient ones that are like ridiculously big for like sixty bucks on this site, or you can get the ones that I got, which were the little adult ones for like four bucks. So <laughs> I I thought it was really cool. They come unpainted, or you can buy them painted. You pay like how much more is it? If I think you it's like four or five bucks more okay. to get them painted. So if you want to do that, I mean, I, I find a lot of enjoyment. I painted a couple uh-huh. of them. I find enjoyment in that. Uh, so I bought them. 
a little bit cheaper, not painted. But yeah, I, that's that's where I've gone in the past. And I bet you you have a couple of different ways that you've got. Um, where have I found cheap miniatures? Nowhere. <laughs> Mark, you were just saying like you know you want to like get like figures for your characters and stuff, but it's crazy like the prices like. I've always, I don't understand, personally, this is my soapbox, I don't understand why they make the figures that much money, like, as much as they do. Because I've always said, if they made those, it can't take that much to make these little plastic figures. And if they were, like, they were cheaper, like, a dollar a figure, I know, personally, I would have spent buttloads of money buying tons of figures. But it's, like, to buy, like, a, you know, you said, like, buy, like, a six-inch dragon, $60. Well, I can go to the store and buy an action figure that's six inches and it costs me five to ten dollars. Like, yeah. why is it that they're, you know, and people buy them so they're making money? But I just feel like they could honestly, I'm just like, I feel like they would make a lot more money if they made them cheaper because more people would buy them. Yeah, um, but that's my soapbox. So, what I do for miniatures is a lot of times, like, I'll find things to use for bases and I'll find things that aren't DD miniatures and I'll paint them and make them into miniatures for D&D. Uh, we'll throw some pictures up of uh, Chris, the miniatures you bought. We'll throw some pictures up of miniatures that I've made. Uh, I know I I used to play with, if any of you guys out there know of Mighty Max. Did you guys ever, do you guys know Mighty Max? I've heard of it. I've yeah, never played it. I though. played with Mighty Max when I was really young, um, and I had some of them saved. And so I took them, and some of them looked really bad, and I painted them, and they looked sweet. I made the, you know, the, Mark, you know, the Warforged that I made oh, for your yeah. brother? Like, that was like a cyborg, like, green, bad-looking guy. And I think it came out pretty well yeah. um, for, like, a war, we made a Warforged wizard, wizard out of it. Uh, and so, like, what I've done is I've taken little toys that, like, weren't D&D things that, you know, maybe if you have, like, younger brothers or <laughs> yeah. you, or Stealer, kids, Stealer just steal our toys and paint them. <laughs> um, Polly Pockets, if you have sisters, <laughs> yeah, are Polly the Pockets. exact size. <laughs> there you go. You made little girls for... Polly Pockets? I don't think Polly Pockets would work. Polly Pockets. You put, like, swords in their hands. <laughs> Do they have, like, goblin Polly Pockets? No. Definitely. But also, <laughs> if you want human females and human males. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not yeah, like, everybody wants to be a goblin. Yeah. Um, Why not? <laughs> but you can you can do that. You can raid like your old toy chests for things and just see what you got. Some of them aren't going to work. Some of them might work. You could. What we do around here is we have a lot of flea markets during the summer. Yeah. I go there and you know I've actually found a few D and D or like Hero Clicks or whatever figures for like nothing. They're like in a box for twenty five cents. Twenty five cents is a lot cheaper than five bucks a piece. So like I found things and it's like at that point I'm not picky. I'm taking what I can yeah, get. Yeah, just take them all. And like you can I find found things from that. Another thing that I've found is, like, it's Christmas is coming up, and so, like, a dollar store across the street has, like, all the little, like, what do you call them, like, little town set, like, things. Like, and, Yeah, you can find, like, um, pieces for, like, that, or, like, even Halloween decorations. Just, I think for me, it's just, uh, keeping your eyes open for things that you can use constantly. Might um, even check Craigslist. They yeah, might have can, stuff up yeah, there. Yeah, check Craigslist. That's the thing. Don't, don't buy them, like... Check Craigslist. People are selling, like, sets of, like, figures. Thing is, they're still too expensive in my book. Yeah. That's why I try to make my own and stuff. But, yeah, um, those are some ways that you can try to save some money on miniatures. Oh, I guess I guess one more thing is if you don't care about just having the miniatures, like, I know, I don't know if D&D has this, but I know, like, Pathfinder has, like, a box that they're, like, cardboard stand-ups of, like, 2,000 monsters. Oh, and yeah. so you could get something like that, and it's a visu visualization 
it's a lot cheaper. You have, I think the box is like 30 bucks for like 2,000 monsters stands up. Well, I was, I was emailing with a guy back and forth a couple of days ago, and he was talking about, you know, if I found oh, yeah, any tokens, good. Right? Yeah, the tokens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for like the 4 stuff. And those can be used not just for 4 but if like you, I mean, yeah. there, was, there was one guy, one article that I saw that like you could get, I mean, if you play with a grid, like the squares are one inch by one inch, you could go to your local hardware store, get like one inch washers, like metal washers, print out like little, I mean, you, you would have to spend some time in like Photoshop or whatever, make like little one inch pictures of like a human warrior or like a skeleton or something like that. You could print them out and glue them to the top of that washer, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of different ways that you can, if, if you don't want miniatures or don't, you know, have anything to make miniatures out of, you could do something like that. It's really inexpensive to do. Yeah. You go find your old pogs. Pogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think for bases, Mark, you one day, and I had a bunch of these already, but like, I always appreciate it more. You brought over like cheap poker chips. Oh yeah. Like use oh, those yeah. as bases. Like go out, buy like, go to your, go to dollar store, go to like, if you grab a five below near you, get like a cheap poker set and use those as bases. You can get like 25 of them for like a yeah. dollar or something. They're, found, they're perfect. For, they're like the, the same the size as a large, as yeah. a large, yeah. you found two of them on the ground. I yeah. outside your place, so I was like, here, <laughs> yeah, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> bases, perfect. So really he didn't go out of his way to bring them no. to you. He just found them on the Classic ground. Classic mark. <laughs> All right, that's, that's our light bulb. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, we we love you guys as a community, and we love hearing with you. We talked about a couple of emails this episode. Uh, it's fun for me. I do, I do a lot of the email replying, and it's fun for me to get to interact with uh, you guys as a community. Again, you know, we've talked about tokens. We've talked about crit fumble stories. You know, we've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, Halloween stuff from the last episode. I've had a lot of conversations with people about that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us. You can find us at uh, at our email, which is yep. dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Mitch, where else can they find us? Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter um, at DMS underscore block. That's DMs block on Twitter for updates on uh, when we're recording, when our podcasts release, and just other interesting things like Gary Gygax quotes that we find. Yeah, those um, things have blown up every single time yeah, right? we put them up there. Because, because Gary Gygax well, is awesome. Yeah, he's kind of uh, pretty cool. Oh, I <laughs> and, forgot to say, uh, you can follow us on, or subscribe to us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give us a five-star rating, and like we said in this episode, if you subscribe for every two that we get from here on out, uh, we will release some of the... The races. Uh, the races that Race we talked about today. The homebrew races. Stats. Yep. Yep. It's, it'll be sweet. And so follow us again on DMs block, DMS underscore block at Twitter. Uh, like our Facebook page. Keep supporting us. We appreciate it. It helps us to keep going. That is the conclusion of this week's episode of the Dungeon Masters block. The place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, Knowing characters. <laughs> <laughs> and lowering the egos of everybody at the table. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again soon. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Say goodbye, Mark. Bye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>